And here we go with another installment of Dose of Dog presented by our friends at Embark in Eau Claire. Check them out online and on social media uh, for a doggy daycare. Also plenty of classes hosted by the person we've got here across from us right now, Heather. Heather is here, the, the knower of all things uh, <laughs> dogs, uh, here to give us another uh, 30 minutes of doggy knowledge and uh, today you want to talk about something that I think a lot of people experience uh, that is that is biting and puppy biting it's probably something that a lot of people come to you with uh, asking Heather give me advice well here's your <laughs> chance to to give them the advice yes holy cow a lot of puppy biting a lot of people have gotten puppies in the last oh gosh I mean couple of years so there is certainly a lot of puppy biting going on yeah, we're, we'll spend, I can't believe I haven't talked about this. You know, it's something I, I teach almost every day in a puppy class. We have a lot of puppy classes here at Embark. So, um, you know, we have, gosh, probably 30 puppies in the building every single night between the three classes or a couple, whatever, however many classes we have going on. So it's something I touch base with every single day. And I can't believe I haven't I haven't dedicated an entire podcast to puppy biting. <laughs> so we're going to tackle it today. We're going to tackle it and give you some things. And and some of you maybe are not getting a puppy anytime soon, but oh, when you do, that's probably the big piece that people struggle with is the biting. It's um it's a really hard period to get through for both the human and the puppy, and it's a it's a big concern for a lot of people. And I think a lot of the times people will get puppies having forgotten <laughs> about that biting stage that puppies go through and then they get this little tiny nugget home and they remember how sharp their little puppy teeth are so um it's it's concerning um for a lot of people so we'll put some parameters in place for for curbing the biting or helping the puppy get through it so first i want to start with saying that puppy biting is super normal i know that it feels like it's you know, probably one of the hardest parts about having a puppy is is the intense biting that they do, but it's a really normal developmental period of puppy's growth. They need to learn how to bite. They need to learn what we call bite inhibition. And bite inhibition just means that they learn to use their mouths appropriately and kind of master the art of biting without hurting their playmate or their human. And if you watch puppies play, they play with their mouths, right? They don't have, you know, hands to sit down and play chess and, and ask about each other's feelings. <laughs> so they, they play with their mouths and their mouths are in, in their mouths are teeth. And those milk teeth, those little puppy milk teeth are really sharp. Um, they are much sharper than when their adult teeth will come in. Um, and their adult teeth will start coming in like 15 weeks-ish, give or take, around there somewhere for a little bit before four months oftentimes um, is when you really start seeing the bulk of the puppy teeth fall out. So biting is normal. I know it feels like it is such a frustrating, um, difficult problem, but it it it's normal and they have to learn what we call bite inhibition and bite inhibition again is just the ability to kind of use their mouth without putting their teeth on things so they need to learn to to do that before their adult teeth come in so that's something we talk about in puppy class of how can we give good feedback for biting and then interacting with other puppies when we have the puppies interact with one another it's a really important piece for them to learn both interacting with the other puppies in class and then we often will sometimes have very stable adult dogs in class and they give them good feedback for biting too um with with their little puppy teeth so um so i i i, I do want to say it's it's 
really normal to be frustrated with this. <laughs> um, you know, especially some of my clients that I have that might be on, you know, blood thinner or they bruise really easily. Like that just, that brings a whole new concern to the party. So it is, it is a concerning thing. It is really hard. It's, it drives a lot of people crazy. Um, the other good news to biting is that biting goes away. They don't have it forever. <laughs> some dogs are, just more mouthy or use their mouth more often maybe than other puppies do. But biting goes away. You know, they get their adult teeth and a lot of that biting kind of stops happening once they're they're adults. So the good news is that puppy biting goes away. And honestly, I always say this in class, but I think that if puppies, if dogs had this behavior their entire lives, it'd be really frustrating and probably kind of difficult for a lot of people to even own dogs. <laughs> so the biting goes away. Um, I know when you're in the midst of puppy biting, especially if you have a puppy that does a lot of biting, it feels like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can get through this. Um, and especially if you're in one of those age groups where either you have children that are a lot more sensitive to the biting, or you have someone that maybe has more sensitive skin or bruises easily, that that kind of adds another layer of frustration to that to this behavior. So so how do you manage it? So I, I said it's normal, right? It's a normal puppy behavior. Um, and remember where your puppy came from any time, 24-7, when your puppy was in with their litter mates, they had someone to bite. I mean, so they were living in this little, you know, puppy bubble that at any given time, if they had litter mates, someone would want to bite them for fun. Um, and you see that little puppy play fighting really kind of start amping up around like five, six weeks old when they really start playing and they get really loud and they bite each other and then they scream. So it's, it's, they were kind of taken out of that world and plopped into a human world. And we are fleshy primates that don't bite each other for fun. <laughs> so um, we are perplexed as to how this could possibly be a fun activity. Um, but it's really normal for puppies to do. And the hard transition is just that. They they went from puppyhood, being able to bite all the time. It was developmentally normal. Everyone was doing it. To now we are in a home where it is very unappreciated when they put their teeth on things. And so I think that's something to keep in the back of your head. That it's uh, it's it's difficult um, for puppies to to kind of make that transition. So let's talk about how you manage it. So how do you manage biting? What can we do to help all of you kind of get through this time? So again, remember it comes it 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 comes to an end. Um, the biting oftentimes tr gets worse the closer they are to losing their t their puppy teeth. So as their adult teeth start to push in, the puppy teeth puppies biting sometimes will get worse before it gets better. And I know I'm not giving you any good news right now <laughs> of the fact that it's a normal behavior and it will get worse before it gets better, but I promise it goes away. So that's, that's the one truth to, to what we're talking about. So, um, so remember that the biting will sometimes get worse as they, their teeth start to fall out. So number one, the biggest question I always ask people is, can you predict when biting is more likely to occur? So can you predict that biting is more likely to occur when they just woke up, when um, they just get up in the morning, when you come home from work, um, after they've eaten and they maybe you're kind of amped up, after they've pooped, some puppies get like this zoomy kind of behavior after they after they go potty. So if you, if you really take a look at your puppy's schedule and you really look at what the day looks like in their world, when are the times when biting is more likely to occur? And, and you are all going to hear me say this in behavior work, in training. Um, if you're struggling with a behavior, identifying 
under what conditions does this behavior exist? Because remember, it feels like puppies bite 24-7, but they eat, they sleep, they do other things. So I know it feels like they're biting 24-7, but it's probably really under certain conditions that actually the, the biggest part and the most intense biting is kind of happening. So I think you can feel kind of relieved once you look at what the world, what your day looks like and look at, okay, when is this biting most likely to occur? Okay, so, so think about that. Um, because when we know that, we can put parameters in, in its place, right? All right. Um, my biggest, biggest, I guess, go-to for biting is to go in armed. So we know puppies are going to bite. That is very normal. That's how they interact with the world. Um, it's going to happen. You know, if you get your puppy at eight weeks old, it's going to happen up until they're like five or six months of age. So, you know, you've got a while, a couple months in there where this biting is going to kind of be um, more prevalent. So um, if we can predict when it happens, what I want you to do is I want you to always think of being armed. So when you have a puppy in your world, can you have a pile of like soft, squishy toys that you can always go in armed with? So having... A, a, a pile of stuffy toys. So that might look like, um, you know, the stuffed platypus and the raccoon and all the stuffy toys that everyone gave you for fun when your puppy, when you got a puppy. So can you look at having a, a pile of those kinds of things near your puppy's crate? Because one of the things we're going to talk about is going in armed. So can you always go in armed so that you, you have something in your hand so that the puppy has something to bite? So can you go in armed? So that means that when you go to get your puppy out of their enclosure, their crate, the room they're in, their habitat, whatever space you keep them, I want you to always have something in your hand. Because if you don't have something in your hand, they're going to bite your hand. <laughs> and this is a hard and fast rule that, that, that I want you to always think about. When I go to interact with my puppy, especially during the times you've predicted that it's more likely to occur, if you don't have something in your hand, your puppy's going to bite something. And they're going to bite fleshy fingers, arms, toes if you don't go in with something. So you're going to lead with a toy, offer it to your puppy, in engage their mouth so that they have something to put their mouth on. Okay, and if their history says that if they bite your fingers, you're going to scream, um, they might choose to do that. So sometimes we have to make the toy that you're going in with a lot more active. So move the toy around, bounce it around a little bit, make it kind of a little bit maybe more exciting for them. So you're going to go in armed. That's going to be your big role, especially kids. If you have kids at home, oh my gosh, it's so important for them to always have something in their hands because again, biting is normal. They're going to bite. We have to give them something to bite. Okay. So maybe as a family um, or whoever lives in your home, you could say, okay, we're going to keep these toys on top of the crate or by the kitchen or in the space that the puppy is kept so that someone it, there's always something available for you to have in your hand so that they can put their mouth on on that thing. Okay, so go in armed. And I want this to be like your hard and fast rule. Interact with the puppy. You always have something in your hand. Okay, and remember, it's not forever. You know, it's just the three months, you know, after you get them that they're going to be, um, be more apt to be biting things. And again, that's how they explore the world. I mean, that's how they learn um, surfaces and and exploring things. So go in armed. Um, the third piece, and I've, I've talked about this before, but have you met your puppy's needs? Um, and it kind of goes back to predicting when biting is more likely to occur. So when we meet their needs physically, mentally, 
um, can they're they're a lot less likely to do undesirable behaviors. So have they had that day sufficient mental physical stimulation? Um, it's just more light, likely to occur when they have a little bit of excess energy from lack of, you know, kind of being engaged throughout the day. Um, what does that mean? So brain games, I mean, anything you teach a puppy is good. It doesn't matter what you're teaching them. Any kind of trick doesn't matter. Any kind of activity where you can utilize their brain is going to be really helpful to help them kind of have another focus to that day. Um, sniff walks. I mean, I've talked about sniff walks a lot and that with a puppy is just such a great way to, to engage their brain and their body. It kind of meets both of those needs, which is just so fantastic. Um, if your puppy likes to be social, can they romp with puppies of similar size or age or appropriate play style or adult stable adult dogs. Um, that's a way to meet their needs. Nature walks, I mean, kind of going back to sniff walks, allowing them to kind of move freely in a space is another way to, to help them kind of meet some of those physical needs so they're not not as stim overstimulated or over aroused or just aroused in general. Um, you know, when you get them out of their space where they want to put their mouth on a lot of things. I mean, so all those things are really good. Trick training, any Lou learning are all ways to kind of use some of that brain power. And we know, like, we all know we have busy days and there's going to be days where, man, you know, we didn't do really much with you today. I'm sorry. We had got caught at work. We had bad weather. We had, you know, whatever happened. Um, but I think knowing that, going into an environment where your puppy is, knowing that maybe they haven't had all their needs met that day. Um, maybe their biting might amp up. Some puppies get really, really bitey when they haven't had enough rest and puppies need a lot of sleep. Puppies need a lot of sleep, like 18 hours a day, <laughs> minimum oftentimes. So, um, just like toddlers, <laughs> you know, there, a lot of these behaviors kind of crop up when you have needs that aren't being met. So are they tired? Are they hungry? Are they thirsty? You know, I think sometimes we forget that puppies also need a lot of hydration because they're growing really quickly. So, um, can you, can you look at, can you, have you meet, met some of their needs in that way? Kind of meeting all of those, those checking all the boxes to make sure. And again, if you know you haven't, then you're mentally prepared that biting might be worse that day. Um, and you're going to really have to pre prepare yourself to it for it. Um, redirect onto something appropriate would be another suggestion I would have. So, so puppies will go for your fingers. They will go for your ankles. And remember, we've talked about kind of, genetic propensities for certain behaviors in certain breeds. Well, we know the herding breeds. We know the healers especially have have been bred over the years to have less bite inhibition than, you know, a Maltese because what was a healer bred to do? To move cattle. And you can't be effective to move cattle if you just go tap them a little bit with your nose. <laughs> so they've been bred to have um, a little less bite inhibition so that they're better at their job. Well, then, like we've talked about, that becomes maladaptive in a family setting where there's small children around and maybe the dog's um, biting is, is a little bit more intense, um, which is something that if we understand the breed, we can um, kind of understand that, that that is a piece of that dog's genetics. So redirect onto something appropriate. So that might be if your puppy, if you know that in certain scenarios, your puppy always wants to go for your feet, can you be prepared in that moment where you can have something for that puppy to bite? You can have a toy that you're kind of, um, that you're, you're dangling for the puppy to grab. Could you have a flirt pole when you walk around so your puppy doesn't want to, you know, bite your ankles? 
Um, so can you redirect onto something that would be more appropriate? So a dog toy, um, you know, puppies want to pick up everything in their mouth. I mean, my gosh, anything you find on the ground, they want to put on their mouth. So um, can you instantly trade them for something else so that they can bite something appropriate? rather than yourself or, or something that they may want to grab off of a surface that you don't necessarily want them to bite. <laughs> um, so redirect. And I feel like we do a lot of that with puppies. We do lots of that with puppies. Where'd you get that? Don't eat that. Take this. Where'd you find that? Like we're constantly kind of redirecting um, their mouth onto something appropriate. But remember, it's time limited. I know that's that's hard when you're in the midst of it, but it is a time limited kind of developmental period. Um, I mean, so I, we always have the bell curve, right? There's going to be some dogs on the other side of that that are just more bitey for longer. And that could be breed predilection. That could be, you know, a number of things. But um, usually for the most part, <laughs> it's a, uh, um, most puppies that will kind of come to an end as their adult teeth come in. So that's one another piece just to redirect and that's where it's helpful to set up your environment so you do always have things to redirect the puppy onto so that you have appropriate things to put in their mouth rather than finding things that are inappropriate to put on their mouth which includes hands and toes and fingers and things like that um kids is a little bit harder so when we talk about kids and puppies that's a it's it's an adorable combination but it's often a more difficult combination to problem solve you know we know that Kids like to run. Um, puppies also like to chase things that run, and they have kind of this inherent drive to chase things that run away from them, <laughs> which makes that combination a little more frustrating in a household that puppies like to run and chase and bite things that move fast, and kids often meet that role <laughs> to run fast. So the one thing that I really like for kids and puppies are flirt poles, and a flirt pole is just like a giant cat toy for a dog. Um that that has kind of a toy at the end and the kids can run with it and then the puppy's mouth is appropriately redirected to the toy at the end of this little rope on a flirt pole so um those are my favorite kind of little um things to have with the kids to to play with now the rule of the flirt pole so if you imagine i know it's it's a podcast <laughs> but if you imagine a flirt pole it, it's like a giant cat toy for a puppy so it's um you know a four foot um, pole um, that kind of resembles what a horse whip would look like. Not that I am advocating for horse whips in any way, shape, or form for any kind of creature, but um, and then it has a, a, a string at the end that's probably another four feet, and then there's a toy attached to the end. So the flirt pole, you would you would put the toy on the ground and you kind of drag it along the ground and get the dog to encourage the the puppy to chase it, and it's such a great way to allow kids to interact with puppies in an appropriate way where they're utilizing their mouth on an appropriate toy rather than biting kids and ankles and feet and snow pants and, and, you know, um, shoes and, and shoelaces and things like that. Um, I love the outward hound tail teaser. That's the one that we carry here. Um, the rule of the flirt pole is that the toy part. So the very end part that we want the dog to grab onto always stays on the ground. And the reason for that is so that the puppies don't jump up and they twist their back or they, um, injure themselves or they just learn to jump near the kids. A lot of kids will want to grab it and just instantly hold it vertically, but then we're kind of encouraging the puppies to jump up on it. So that is not, um, the, the appropriate way that we want to manage that behavior. So um, the, t the Outward Hound Tail Teaser is a great little tool that we love. And you can make your own flirt pole. There's a whole bunch of YouTube videos out there on just how to make your own. 
So that's a great way to have kids and puppies interact where we have taken the biting and we have redirected it onto something that's using their brain and their body. So we're meeting those needs and then the kids can appropriately play with the puppy and we we decrease the crying and the screaming from everyone. <laughs> so um, I love a flirt pole for that reason. And even if you don't have kids, um, it's a great, gosh, it's a great tool for a lot of dogs. I just had a little dog in for a lesson right before this and um, a retired couple and a three-year-old dog and we introduced her to a flirt pole and she thought that was the best thing she has ever seen in her life. Um, so it's a great way to allow them to kind of do a natural dog behavior in a very appropriate way. So um, a flirt pole is a great thing. So those are kind of my ways to talk about biting. Um, you know, some of the, I mean, I, I, I know I say this a lot, but I've been in dog training a long time. Um, you know, years and years ago, some of the things that we used to do to stop biting was grabbing their muzzle, um, you know, grabbing their muzzle and telling them no. And there's a lot of reasons I don't do that anymore. I mean, number one reason is I don't want my hands on my dogs to hurt them. And so I think that's a really important piece to remember that, when you put your hands on your dog and you show them you can hurt them, that is not really furthering that relationship. And the other piece, and this goes back to when I talked about why I don't use punishment to train behaviors, is that you're not teaching them what to do. So remember, biting is a normal, natural behavior that puppies do. And by doing that, um, by by punishing them for biting, we're not teaching them what's appropriate to bite. So they're left with not really an option on how to be right. Um, you know, some of the older recommendations, put your hand in their mouth. Um, we just don't use force to stop behaviors. We, we, we always want hands near your puppy's head to remain a really positive thing. You know, we're going to work through husbandry behaviors and we're going to work through cleaning their ears and we're going to work through, um, you know, uh, looking in their mouth. And so I want my hands when I touch my dog always to have a really positive meaning. And, and again, that's all those things aren't telling them what they can bite. So we're not really giving them an option on how to be right when we do some of those things. Um, and I've heard some pretty awful descriptions of things that people believe that your puppy should do, um, you know, when they bite you. Things like spraying peppermint um, breath spray in their mouth. Um, I mean, there's just some kind of awful things that people have done to puppies to to make sure that they don't bite. And again, you're not you're not teaching them what to do in that moment. I mean, if you can imagine doing a very natural, normal behavior um, and someone tells you that you're never right and your body is telling you to do this, I mean, we have to give these puppies an out in order to do a natural developmental behavior. So, um, so always be armed is kind of the big, big takeaway piece out of this. I always want you to think about when I when I go in to get my puppy out of a space, I always want to have something in my hand. And this is a rule for everyone, adults in the family, kids in the family. Um, um, you know, when you see biting occur, can you have something in your, in, in your hand? Um, it's just really important to make sure that they are, we're allowing them to bite in an appropriate way. And the other good news to remember, which I know in, in the moment, it's very difficult to remember this, but remember biting is going to go away. It'll get worse before they lose their puppy teeth, but then it goes away. So in the moment, that's really frustrating. It's very frustrating and I totally get it. And it hurts <laughs> because puppy sharp, puppy teeth are sharp. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's very frustrating and it's hard in that moment to not be really frustrated with them. Um, 
But I think if you remember to always go in armed and have something to put your puppy's mouth on, it's going to be a lot more reasonable to get through it. So hopefully that will help you kind of get through the puppy biting. Um, you know, some you'll have a puppy and then maybe 10 years later you'll get another puppy and you will forget all about what the biting stage was like. I think I have so many clients. I have clients that are in classes that are on their, oh my gosh, I just had a client with her 11th golden in class. Um, and even she said, oh gosh, Heather, I forgot how much puppies bite. And she has a lot of really fantastic dog experience. And, and you kind of forget that very short developmental period in their growth that how how intense it was <laughs> um but everyone can get through it and if you need more help certainly reach out to us um you know we have we have puppy classes start puppy einstein classes starting every week we talk quite a bit about bite bi biting and problem solving